Amen. Man, you guys can, uh, can sing. So good. Thank you for leading us. Uh, these, uh, I just find myself, as we're singing those, those Christmas words, I just find myself nodding my head because, you know, uh, there's so much truth packed into those Christmas songs. Um, and, and so I hope you're just marinating in that truth a little bit tonight. Um, we've been walking through a series about recognizing Jesus these past few weeks and, and uh, began with recognizing Jesus as, as supreme over all creation. Logan walked us through recognizing Jesus in the law, then we recognized Jesus in the prophets this morning. Uh, we, recognize, um, we recognized Jesus um, somewhere. Where were we, anybody else remember where we recognized Jesus this morning? <laughs> uh, and uh, it's going to come to me later. Uh, that's king, exactly. That's what, I was just testing you guys. We recognize Jesus as king. And, uh, and tonight we're recognizing Jesus uh, in the unexpected. Um, Ava got a surprise gift this year, um, and, and, and Christmas came early uh, for Ava. Um, she, she's been wanting this puppy and, uh, and, and didn't think she was going to get it, and, and Dad did a pretty good job of, of making her feel like she didn't have any chance of getting it. And then, uh, because disguising a live animal is a little bit difficult, uh, Ava got this gift, and just the look of, of surprise, of just total surprise on her face uh, was worth it all. And, and um, the best gifts are often surprises. The best gifts are often um, when, when, when something happens that we didn't expect or it happens in a way we didn't expect it to happen, but in the moment, often those surprises don't feel like, especially as we're adults, uh, we get to where we don't like surprises as much. Um, Jesus' coming was, was foretold and it was prophesied and it was expected. We, we sang, come thou long expected Jesus, but Yet he came in a surprising way. And that's the way God is, is even when God does exactly what he said he was going to do, he so often does it in a way that's totally unexpected and in a way that is surprising. And kind of staying with that puppy image, you know, that little puppy of Ava's, um, you can, you can point, and most dogs are this way, you can, you can point your finger at something. You ever try to point uh, at something and get a, get a dog to look at it? It usually just looks at your finger, right? It doesn't look where you're pointing. It looks at your finger. And so we read about um, the swaddling clothes, and we read about the manger, and we read about no room at the inn, and, 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 and the angels told the shepherds that these things were signs. This is going to be a sign to you. You're going to find a baby in a manger, and he's going to be wrapped in swaddling cloths. And, and, and our, our world is, is very familiar with the image of the manger, very familiar with this idea of, of, of a baby in a manger. And, and we, we, our, our imagination uh, kind of visualizes the manger scene and the, and, and the barn and all of that. But often we miss what that sign is pointing to. The most incredible thing about all this is that that's the son of God in that manger. That's the one who's come to rescue us that was born in that stable. And Jesus is surprising in in several ways, but first and foremost, I believe Jesus is surprising in his vulnerability. Vulnerability has become a catchphrase now, Um, but, uh, uh, but Jesus is surprising in his vulnerability. Nobody expected, nobody expected God 
to come as a poor baby who couldn't even get a motel room. Nobody was expecting that. And when we think about, like, if, if, um, if, if we think about, well, if I was God, how would I appear on the scene in the flesh? And most of us wouldn't have chosen this way. In a backwater, forgotten part of the Roman Empire, born to poor parents, vulnerable, there's babies in this room, and you think about how dependent a baby is, how vulnerable a baby is. And God became a baby, and, and, the, and the shepherds are told, you're going to find this baby wrapped in cloths in a manger, and, and the shepherds are saying, wow, let's go see what God's done. And, and, and Jesus is surprising in the way he comes to us. He comes to us vulnerably. Toward the end of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says that there's going to come a day that we'll be judged based on how we treated the vulnerable. And he says, whatever you did to the least of these, you did it to me. And they say, well, when did we feed the hungry? When did we visit the sick? When did we visit those in prison? When did we, when did we do these things? He says, when you, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And so as we, as we look past the manger and into the manger and we see the face of the king of kings there looking back at us a vulnerable child we begin to understand that we continue to find jesus where there's vulnerability today and he says the primary one of the primary ways we love him and serve him is we love and serve those who are helpless beth moore recently wrote, when the gospel has become bad news to the poor, the oppressed, the brokenhearted and imprisoned, and good news to the proud, self-righteous and privileged instead, it is no longer the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about the gospel that Herod, we talked about this morning, Herod would not approve of this message. Jesus comes to us vulnerably, and we continue to find Jesus where we find the vulnerable. Jesus is surprising in his vulnerability. He's surprising in his company. Uh, Justin read earlier about the shepherds who, they, they get this announcement from angels. Can you imagine these guys, these weather-beaten, hard-working men who haven't had a bath in a long, long, long time? And these angels appear, and, and, and they're probably thinking, man, we've been out here too long, Okay. And yet they hear heaven singing and rejoicing and they hear this message about hope has been born. The king has come. All your hopes and dreams. And they say, let's go see what God has done. From the very beginning of Jesus' life, he draws a strange crowd. Shepherds, these were rough characters. Magi, astrologers from the east who aren't even aren't even Jews. And this is going to be a pattern that Jesus is going to continue throughout his life. He's going to be attractive to all the wrong kind of people. He's going to be irresistible to all the, 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 the odd sorts of people. And there's something about Jesus that's still irresistible. It's still surprising. And he's still surprising in the company that he keeps because you're going to find Jesus... Not just with the vulnerable, but today you're going to find Jesus where there's deep, deep sin and deep, deep um, hurt. 
There's not a gutter in this world that you can go to that Jesus isn't there already. He's surprising in his company and he's surprising in his inclusivity. I love that the shepherds are told, uh, Justin read it, verse 12, you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then they're told uh, uh, that this is going to be good news for all people. Verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Jesus is surprising in his inclusivity. There's not a person that Jesus isn't for. There's not a person that his message isn't for. There's not any kind of sin that can exclude you from him. There's not a gutter he can't pull you or me out of. He's surprising. And somewhere along the way, we, we kind of can start to forget that the gospel's for everybody. We can start to draw our own boundaries and say, well, this one's beyond hope and that one's beyond hope. But, but the word says that this message that Jesus is Lord, it's for everybody. We sing a song that says, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Do we still believe that we can say with the shepherds, let's go see what God has done? Can, do we still believe that we can tell campfire stories about transformed lives? I think Jesus is still for the drug addict. Jesus is still for the broken marriage. Jesus is still for the rebellious kid. Jesus is still for that rebellious parent. Jesus is still for everybody. And whatever else you, you can say to people when you're having a conversation with them, you can look anybody you encounter dead in the eye and you can tell them, man, I, I, Jesus has something for you. I know he loves you. Jesus is surprising in his exclusivity. Jesus is gonna say in John 14, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He's for everybody. But the only way anybody gets a relationship with God is through Jesus. Uh, we can't pick that topping off the pizza that says, well, there's just any kind of way I can come to God. No, Jesus is God in the flesh. He's so surprising and offensive in how exclusive he is. He says, man, there was a wall between you and God, and I came and I tore that wall down, and I've made a way. Don't be looking for other ways. I'm the way. He's surprising in his exclusivity. He is the way. Jesus' name means God saves, and that says something about God. Just the name Jesus, it means God saves, and that says something about God, and that says something about us. One, that name Jesus tells us that God in his character is a God of deliverance. God in his character is a God whose heart beats to rescue God in his heart of hearts is a God who is about setting people free. That's who God is. It says something about us too. It says that we need saving. We need help. We need rescue. We need deliverance. And I don't care if we've been in church two seconds or two decades or two centuries. I don't care how long we've been walking with Jesus. We need rescue. We need rescue from ourselves. We need rescue from our warped minds. We need rescue from our hard hearts. We need rescue from the sin that so easily entangles us. We need rescue. And there's really good news in the gospel because Jesus reveals that God's heart of hearts is to rescue us. And we are desperately in need of that rescue. Jesus continues to surprise us. 
You know, with most gifts, the surprise is over once you open it. I mean, nobody the day after Christmas goes and opens a gift again and says, whoa, you know, I mean, you're not surprised anymore. I mean, most people don't do that. Most gifts, you get it, and the surprise is over. But man, I've been walking with Jesus 20 years. Some of you have been walking with Jesus 60 years or more, 80 years. Some of you forgot more about Jesus than I know. But here's the thing, there hasn't, a day, there hasn't been a day of walking with Jesus that he hasn't surprised me. Let him keep surprising you. That's what a relationship is about. I want to have him nailed down and figure it out. Man, he's surprising. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He rules the nations with a rod of iron. You don't have him figured out, and I don't have him figured out. Let him surprise you. Come and see what God has done. The, the shepherd said, let's go see what God's done. What God's done. Don't ever lose that. Have you lost that? Have you lost that anticipation that says, man, I wonder what God is going to do next. I wonder how he's going to surprise me next. Man, that person's a mess. I wonder what God's going to do with them. Man, I'm a mess. I wonder what God's going to do with me. Have you lost that? Don't lose it. Whatever else you unwrap under the tree this year, unwrap a sense of wonder and surprise and awe that we have a God who saves, we have a God who rescues, we have a God who delivers and heals, and he will surprise you until the day you die, and you're going to open your eyes and you're going to be surprised again. He's going to surprise you for all eternity. Jesus is going to continue to surprise us. Man, I want to I wanna be around. I don't want to be around people that are always talking about God, what God can't do and what God won't do. I want to be around people that are saying, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I can't wait to see what God's going to do next. You know what? I figured out that there's a lot I cannot do. But Jesus is still surprising me. And I know Jesus wants to surprise you. I know he wants to, to go deeper with you. I know he wants to, you to unwrap the relationship. Let him surprise you. Let him surprise you Christmas morning, but let him surprise you every day as long as you live and for all eternity. As we... Uh, we're going to move into a time of communion. And, you know, Jesus is surprising in the way he's born. Jesus is surprising in the way he lives. And Jesus was surprising in the way he died. And Jesus was surprising when he overcame death and rose again. But on the night that Jesus was betrayed, everybody was having that Passover meal and they're used to it being about something that had happened years before when the Israelites got freed from Egypt. And Jesus said, no, this has really been all about me. That was a surprise. He said, I'm about to do something that none of you understand. And I'm going to deliver you, not from Pharaoh, but from sin. I'm going to rescue you, not from Romans, but from your own warped and twisted hearts. And so in that night, we got a baby. You know, Jesus probably cried. We sang a song about Jesus not making any sound. I mean, he, he made a sound, all right. It's good. It's good to have babies Christmas, all right? So in that night that Jesus was betrayed, we're told that he broke bread. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And after supper, he passed the cup and he blessed it and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. 
He says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death. He says, remember me. So we're going to remember Jesus.